0: Praise the Lord, we thank God for His grace and His mercy. We want to welcome all of our listeners, those that are listening from Australia, praise God. Those that are listening from England, those that are here throughout the Caribbean, we just bless the name of Jesus. Those, especially in my home country, in the United States, we just praise God. I'm here in St. Martin's. And thank God for opening the opportunity to bring Semi in this part of the world. For the first time, this uh, historical moment that Semi is broadcasting, praise God, throughout the world. I am with the ministry called Christ Ambassadors Ministry International under the pastorate of uh, Pastor Hilton Albert. Now, a year ago, by the grace of God, Semi, in partnership with several other churches got together and were a blessing to the saints. I'm sure that you're all aware concerning the disaster of Irma. And here we are with our Christian family. We just praise God for that. It's awesome to see what God has done, that God has chosen of all the nations, God has chosen St. Martin's to be the first place that we have our first uh, mission conference broadcast globally. So we thank God for that. Let's give the Lord a praise. Awesome to see what God is doing. I want to give a special thanks to Pastor Don Curtis from Christ Church, fellow church and brother in the Lord there in Maryland, who certainly helped us and also became part of um, sending supplies and barrels and so forth right after Irma and help us in making this broadcast possible. So we thank God. Now this week, we will be going through the week of the the book of Ephesians. Praise God. And we encourage you to join us every night at 7.30. That's when we would begin. Probably about 5 or 10 minutes um, late a little bit, depending on what is happening on this end. And we will go until 9.30 every night. So it will be from Monday to Friday, and then Monday next week. So... For those who are listening, praise God. I want to encourage you to visit us at uh, www.cemimission.org. I am Dr. McKeown, and it's a blessing to be here with you tonight. Let's get into the book of Ephesians, shall we? Now, saints, for you all who are here tonight. I want to, I want to lay a foundation on this book. And there are four passages that I'd like us to focus on, and we will refer to those as our theme passages. So I'm going to spend some time going over those, and as we go through night by night, I want you to to reflect on those. Even um, every day, think of those passages. And I am choosing those because that's where my emphasis will be. That's where the Holy Spirit would lead us throughout this week. So let's begin by looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What is this passage telling us? Now, as we go through this book, let me take a little pause here. What is happening is an understanding of the book from an exposition perspective, exegetical perspective. Understanding the book in its context. Understanding what it is saying about Christ. Understanding the doctrine and theologies of the book and then looking for application in our lives. That's the process, that's the way God wants us to grab his truth. If we go from reading to application, then we tend to make a lot of mistakes. All of scripture is to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord Jesus Christ Himself did this. The Bible says that he starting with the book of Moses. The Torah or the, the first five books or the Pentateuch, he taught everything concerning himself, beginning with the first five books, all the way to Malachi. At that time, he taught everything concerning himself. All Scripture is to reveal our Lord Christ Jesus, and of course today we have the New Testament added to the Old Testament. All right, that being said, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine: For by grace. You have been saved through faith. So we are saved by the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the person of the Holy Spirit that allows us to be, at some point in our lives, exposed to the truth. To hear this truth as to who our Lord Jesus Christ is. And that is the grace of God. It is God's grace that allows us to hear the word and it is God's grace that takes the word implants it into our hearts, into our understanding, stirs the faith within us and our hearts to then respond to the truth. So by grace you have been saved. Observe the verb there, have been saved. It's a past action that has an ongoing effect. So you have been saved. Permanently saved, but something is going to happen for all eternity because of that. Through faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God made us to have faith in Him. However, in order for us to appreciate faith or to even exercise faith, we have to have knowledge of God. And so faith itself comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There is salvific faith, that is faith that brought us to Jesus. And then there is ongoing growth faith in our lives. That ongoing sanctification process faith. Where we are already saved, but we are growing. That faith also comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we have been saved through faith, by grace, and it is not ourselves. It is a gift of God. We could not earn it. We have to receive it. In of words, lest any man should boast. The natural tendency of humans would be to boast if one can do anything. God is telling us, He made us and He knows us. And He says, look, you will boast. It's not that you might boast. No, you will boast. Because the self is engaged at that moment. So keep that theology Keep that doctrine in mind as we go through this. The next passage I want us to look at is Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13. It says, In him that is in Christ you also trusted. Past tense. After you heard the word of truth, so we heard truth. Truth is That which is objective. Truth is not subjective. Truth is not dependent on one's opinion. Truth rests on the basis of its objectivity. It is truth because God says it is truth. Whether we believe it or not, it is still truth. So that's God's truth. So we heard this truth. What truth did we hear? The gospel of your salvation. We heard an essential message. We heard that we were sinners, we heard that God loves us, we heard that God stepped into humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, He came in our form. We heard that God did not claim or cling to His right to be God, but He humbled Himself and came among us, even to the point of death, the death on the cross. Certainly not because God had a problem, but because we had a problem and God solved it. So we heard that gospel, the gospel of your salvation, this gospel that led to our salvation. In whom also having believed, past tense, we haven't believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise. the so past tense, at the moment when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So let's look. Let's go back and reflect on those realities. We are saved by the grace of God. For me, that happened 50 years ago. God saved me by His grace. So 50 years, He has given me life to represent Him here on the planet Earth. Now, that happened when I heard the truth. And I must admit, when I heard it, I did not receive it right away. But God was patient and loving towards me. Why did I not receive it? Because of stubbornness, because of tradition, and certainly because of, of human pride. But then God, in His mercy, reached out, touched my heart, opened my heart to that truth. And I recognized the love of Jesus. On the basis of the fact that he loves me. And accepted what Christ did for me. So now I'm saved. Now we are saved. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into the believer. That's our reality. That the Spirit of God is inside of us. The first mention of the Spirit of God is found in the book of Genesis. Chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, God, God created everything. And verse 1, in the beginning, God created everything. In verses 2, the Spirit of God, the eternal Spirit of God. So there is God the Father, and then there is God the Son. The Word of God tells us that all things were created by Him, that is by Jesus, and for Him, and for His purpose, and he is sustaining everything. Because Jesus Christ is God. So this truth, this is all reality, isn't it? This truth is not just an idea. It is all reality because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because for fact, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Now how long does he stay in us and why? Verses 14. He's a guarantee of our inheritance. He guarantees that one day we will inherit heaven until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. He's going to do this, and He's guaranteeing this, but there will come a time when there will be a fullness of redemption, certainly in our lives individually, and then collectively for the entire church. When God will come, and He will take His church to be with Him in heaven. So those two verses, the third verse, want us to look at is Ephesians chapter 5. And verses 18. Remember we are laying a foundation here. Because the question is this. The question is now that I am saved. Now that the Holy Spirit saved me. And now that he has sealed me with his presence. What then? What then? What? How should I live? What should I do? What should happen? What is happening in the dynamic of this relationship? In my life. Here is what God says. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 18. We We'll look at the last part of that verse. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want you to move ahead. You have your notes to fill in the end. You can, I want you to move ahead a little bit. And I'm going to go ahead and we will exegete this passage. Because this is very important. Remember this is one of those theme passages that we are establishing here. Foundational passage. So there are four truths. That I want to point out here by this verb, befell. There are four truths here concerning this word, the, the use of this verb, befell. Firstly, this befell is in the second person plural. And what God is saying is this all of you befell, not just some, but everyone befell. Every child of God throughout the ages. God says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. The second is this. It is in what we call, or what we can understand as, the imperative mode. In other words, it's a command. It's a command. God says, I am commanding you to be filled. I want you to be filled. You don't have an option in it. You can't decide. We're not to decide. Lord, I'm not sure if I should be filled. No, he says, I want you to be filled because I give you my spirit. I save you by my grace. I am your Lord. I seal you with my spirit. And now I want you to be filled with my spirit. Now, then we need to observe that it's in the present tense. And therefore, what this verb is telling us is this. We are filled, keep on being filled moment by moment. God says, moment by moment. Now remember, where did salvation begin? By what process? We heard the gospel of salvation and we believed. We had faith. And so too, we have to have faith that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And moment by moment, he is leading us and he is guiding us. That's the process of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here is what is interesting in this in this particular this verb here. It's in the passive voice. It's not in the active voice. It's in the passive voice. So we, the subject—in other words, where it says you be filled—and that you meaning us—the subject is receiving the action. God does the filling. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing isn't it? For God says I give you my spirit I give you salvation I allow you to know that I'm your Savior and now I want you to be filled with my spirit it's a command I'm giving you moment by moment you can experience my spirit leading and guiding you and I'm commanding you to do it. However you have to receive the action because I'm the one doing it. No controversy there whatsoever. Let's think about salvation, saints. Let's, let's go back and think of the doctrine of salvation. God says that whosoever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And yet, he says, by grace you are saved. <coughs> are we following that? Yes, and we already experience that, don't we? We are in that current experience where we understand salvation. But it's no different here than accepting by faith this ministry and this work, the work of the Holy Spirit. Many a times, folks say to me, well, now, what actually should I do with this? How should I yield to the Holy Spirit concerning this? Since it appears as though I have a responsibility, of course we have a responsibility. Just like when we hear the gospel message, one has a responsibility to either accept it or reject it. Where did that come from? It's called free will. In the beginning when God made man, and man is in an absolute state of perfection. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve looked at each other, and they were naked and they weren't ashamed. They were in an absolute state of perfection. And yet they had free will. And they exercised that free will. So free will does not take away from the transcendency of God, neither the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God, the omniscience of God. Free will is because God made us and He breathed in us His life. And therefore we have free will. But free will comes with a cost and the breath of God. It means that we will live forever, either in heaven or in hell. And the day will come, whether in heaven or in hell, everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord. But while we are alive on this earth, right now, this is the time for us to be saved and to tell others how to be saved. So the last passage you want to look, remember, I'm laying a foundation. Everyone got this? Yes, we're laying a foundation. I'm laying a foundation here as we go as you go through my teaching, you have to go back and reflect on this, this foundation. So let's the the last verse here that we want to look at is Ephesians chapter 6. Why is the question? Why all of this? Why salvation? Of course, so that we can escape hell. Why seal with the Holy Spirit? So we are guaranteed that we'll get to heaven. When does that happen? At the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Why fill with the Holy Spirit? So we can experience the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us to do exactly what God wants us to do. But still comes on to the question, what is it he wants me to do? Does he want me to just exist for the purpose of existing for myself? to be a good husband a good father a good teacher a good electrician a good technical person does he want us to exist for that reason or is it is there something divine beyond that and this is the last verse that we look at in laying our foundation so we want to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 15 And here, in describing the full armor of God, it says, Ephesians 6.15, And having shot your feet with with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God is saying, look, I am going to use you as my vessel on this side of eternity. And the, the imagery there of defeat is that we will be walking and living to tell others also that Jesus is your Savior. And then, of course, in verses 19, Paul says, And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and speak and make known the mysteries of the gospel. So the Holy Spirit, the practical side of being filled with the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit gives us clarity of words. Keep it simple. Connects us with people. Give us a love for people. Open doors for us to evangelize and share the gospel message. And verses 20, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 20, For which I am an ambassador in change, that in it I may boldly speak as I ought to speak. I, I, I love the word Christ's ambassadors. It means this, one, the ambassador doesn't represent himself, the ambassador is representing Christ. Now keep in mind, however, all of this is being done by the Holy Spirit. So we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God is a seal. The Holy Spirit. God is a sealer. The Holy Spirit is a seal. And we are the ones being sealed. And He is using us to simply tell us that Jesus loves them. And we we will go out into, as we go into the world, and we come in contact with people with real problems, everyday situations of all, a vast amount of differences and different magnitudes. We reach out to them from illnesses to financial needs to survivors of hurricanes, all over. We have that simple message. Jesus loves you. Sometimes people have a thousand questions. Why did this happen? Why these horrible things happening? Why am I good? Why did my wife leave me? Why did my husband leave me? Why this illness? Why did I lose my job? And in the midst of all that chaos, we're able to say to them, God is real. I don't have the answers we say to them, but God does. And we may not understand everything but here's what I can tell you that I understand because this happened to me and we're able to say to them there was a time when I heard the truth the gospel of salvation put my faith in Jesus Christ and he sealed me with his spirit and that's my reality and God's desire is for that to become your reality and your reason for living. And you just let them know that Jesus loves them and He is filling your heart to love them. Alright, so now, having said that, that's our foundation. Are we following that? Now, this will only work, this will only work if every day you pray these verses through and sing through them every night, every day before we come to these lectures. Now, let's go back now to chapter 1 and let's work through this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I must say, certainly, remember this: we have a couple hours every night. Tonight it's shorter, so of course we will not be able to do justice to the fullness of Scripture. But she will. But we would leave by the end of this week. Having a foundation whereby we're able to go back and pray and oh Holy Spirit, help me to build on that foundation. The amazing thing about divine revelation is we're always growing and understanding the depths of God's scripture fresh moment by moment. So our intent by no means is to exhaust it, we never will. But it certainly would be for us to appreciate also the methodology and to allow the Spirit to speak to our hearts. How did Paul identify himself? As an apostle of Jesus Christ. That word apostle, apostolos, it means one sent by God. Paul did not send himself, he was sent by God. And we don't send ourselves, oh Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit he sends us. What is meant by of Jesus? Of Jesus means that Paul belongs to Christ as we belong to Jesus. All of us, he owns us. We have been born with a price. Christ is the blood of Jesus. Christ is the one who is filling his will in and through Paul and through us. That's our reality. That's truth. Remember, truth is that which is objective. It's from God. God is speaking to us primarily through two ways. Through nature. Nature declares that God exists. And then through his word. And holy men of God wrote the scripture as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And God sustained it because God says His truth. That is, this word will endure from generation to generation. Why? So that we can grow to understand God's love for us and who we are in that dynamic of that relationship. We want to move right on. Blessed be the God and Father... Well, let's maybe spend a little time here with to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's addressing this to a particular church and he is in prison, a church in Ephesus. And he refers to them as saints. But observe, he describes them, he says that they're faithful in Christ Jesus. The word Jesus means saving the word Christ anointed one. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That unmerited favor be to you and peace from God. See, observe this. It it's the grace of God that saves us. That is the only possible means whereby we can exist in this world of chaos. And confusion and hurt and wars and disasters and give us peace. Because once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the very peace of Christ becomes our reality, our experience. So confusion might be happening around us, but the peace of Christ is in us. We bless the Lord. We praise God. Verses 3. Verses 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. God has provided for us, He has provided every means for us to receive all of the spiritual blessings, all that is necessary. For us to not only grow to know Him, but to experience the Holy Spirit using us to serve Him. And when God saves us, God says, out of His choice, His choice only, God says, I will operate inside of you a divine gift, a divine ability. In all believers, God says, I'm going to operate that gift inside of you. And God says, I'm the one who will choose which gift. And I will enhance that gift. I will help you to become aware of that gift. As we grow as this process that is happening here. By coming in church and coming. And exposing our hearts and minds to truth. The Holy Spirit is doing that inside of us. And God has blessed us. And remember now, that working of the Holy Spirit... Is heavenly. It originates in heaven. It does not begin here on earth. It starts from heaven. So every spiritual blessing that is in heavenly places in Christ is based on what Christ has done for us. It's all based on the finished book of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in the realm and sphere of heavenly things, not earthly things. Blessings that pertain to heaven. This adjective emphasizes quality as well as location. So think of it for a moment. This blessing originates from heaven, and this blessing is rich in Christ Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters. As we grow to understand these truths, the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Moment by moment, everything changes. We experience these spiritual jams. We are no longer fighting to make sense of life and meaning of life. And it's it's a very simple process. uh, That we say, oh dear God, we come before Him. Because remember, God says that there are some there are some commands he told us that we have to do. For example, he says, do not forsake your self-assembling. Come to church so he can, we can experience this growth process. God says, I want you to, to be confessing your sins before me. He says, don't ever say that you don't have a sin problem. Don't ever say you have a He says, because if you say that, then two things are happening. My truth is not in you and you are making me into a lie. But he says, if you confess my sin, your sins, here's a glorious promise. On the basis of Jesus Christ, he says, I promise you that I will forgive you of every sin and I will cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. Amen. And then he says, be filled with my spirit. So when we confess all sins. Father, would you please forgive me of my sins? And then we say, oh, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. And then finally, he says, I want you to obey me. Yes. So as we go about life, we say, oh, dear God, where am I? I am I'm in obedience to you. So on my way here to your country, I prayed, oh, dear God, and fly to use me. And he did, in a supernatural way. God, used me. From from Washington to Miami and then Miami to St. Martin and I can't wait for the flight back up. Because at that moment I'm saying, Oh dear God, Father, I confess all my sins. Dear God Jesus, I thank you for filling me. I thank you, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now, Father, the person whom you led to be sitting right next to me, oh dear God, here I am. I'm presenting myself to you, a living sacrifice in obedience. Give me the words. Let me say something to them. Let me start a conversation. And then, O oh Holy Spirit, you orchestrate that conversation so it will get to the gospel. So, verses 4 says just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. God knows everything from the very beginning. Wow, oh, this doctrine. It's very difficult for us to understand. Matter of fact, no, let me rephrase that. It's not very difficult. It's impossible. Because on the one hand, Paul is writing and he says, God choose us to be saved. On the other hand, we read about whosoever would call upon him shall be saved. And we have these two doctrines. We have one that says... God chose you to be saved. And the other here that says, whosoever called upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Now, can we fully in- can we understand that? No. Because remember, we are speaking about a transcendent God. He is beyond our thought, beyond our universe. Matter of fact, the Bible describes God this way. God cannot be comprehended. But we embrace both truths. And be are thankful. Now remember this, because here you have God chooses to be saved. On the other hand, it says, it is God's will that everyone be saved. And it is God's will that everyone hear this truth. And it is God's will and God is delaying His coming because He wants none to perish. And then it is God's will for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for the world, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. So only God can comprehend these truths since they originate from the very heart of God. But we are recipients of this benefit and we thank God but we have to go into the world and tell others and say, oh Holy Spirit, use me because every time we come in contact with someone we have to believe that it is God's will for that person to be saved because the Bible simply says, God says, I so love the world. Matter of fact, God himself, when he he walked among us, when he stepped into humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself says, I love the world. God Himself says one needs to be born again. So we go into the world and we understand this just as He chooses us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I place this emphasis on the holiness of God says, from the very beginning, when I created you, my desire is that you walk in holiness. That's why when I made you, I said to you that you are perfect. And once man stepped out of that holiness by disobedience, God immediately initiates a plan of redemption. So in the word of God, this theology this, of God... God is saying, there are two realities. God says, I want you to walk in holiness. You're going to experience this by faith. That's why I created you. That's why I made you. Then he says, I love you. But even though you step out from my holiness, he says, I provide a way for you. And that's in Genesis. God is speaking to the serpent and he says, the seed of the woman... Will crush the head of the serpent. You will bruise his heel, referring to Christ, Christ's death on the cross. Just as heel was bruised, but the crushing of the head, the devil, he suffered the deadly blow of both the more deadly, or deadly, deadly worse. Better word, better descriptive. All right. There will come a time, however, in the Book of Revelation, chapter twenty and verse ten, where Satan will be cast into eternal hell forever and ever. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth for a glorious moment. But until then, for every human being, it is God's will. God's desire is that person to be saved. And as we go through this book, we'll find a reality. Now, this reality is spiritual warfare, the one who created this chaos in the first place. Of course, he tempted Eve and she perhaps, well, she should not have had a conversation with him to begin with. But she did and she disobeyed and then Adam disobeyed. There is something about man when he disobeys he will never face up to what he has done. So they both blame someone else. So Adam blame God for giving him the wife. And, and the wife blame Satan. And here is what God says. God says. And, and why? Why did that happen? Because man in his fallen nature, by himself, it's impossible for him to own up. To say I have a sin problem. So God says, I'll solve it. While, while you're yet in sin, I'm going to come and I'm going to die for you. And the only possible way that that can happen, God says, I am going to make a, a covenant, a promise that I myself will come. That's the only possible way. The angels in heaven rejoice. They look at us and they, they're amazed. They're totally amazed. They say these humans are made less than us. And yet Messiah came for them. And not for us. And God has sealed us. With his Holy Spirit. We want to move right on. And, but let's remember this now. First Timothy chapter 2 and verses 5. For there is one mediator. There is one God and one mediator. Between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. That's a central doctrine. Throughout the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is. Like all of the books, but this one especially, that speaks about practical issues as marriage, children, spiritual warfare, unity, disunity, problems. And in the midst of all of that, there is this understanding that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. What is meant by before, before the foundation of the world? Before anything was created? God's choice was eternal. God's plan is timeless. We are just recipients of benefiting from God's eternal plan and God's timeless truth. the fall of man was by no means a surprise to God. God's plan to redeem mankind was not some afterthought. By no means. God knows everything. God's plan for Christ to be Savior of the world was to place even before man needed a Savior it was in place. God knew it was not as though the devil won that victory and God is surprised. I can't believe he won. God had already initiated a plan for us. That is the meaning of this. You see, believers, when, as we grow and we understand what Jesus did for us, that's when we're best able to express praises and thanks to Him. And we understand that, don't we? We understand that. When we we go through difficult times, when we go through trials, when we go through illnesses, and we see a loved one go through an illness and pain and suffering, or we ourselves. When someone that we we love suffers and, and, and dies in that pain, and we live through that with them, but then they experience God's strength. We know that our strength comes from the Lord. And we're able to look back and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Or we might be going through a current storm and we're able to say, Thank you, Jesus. Because always, always, it is when the Holy Spirit allows us to understand and to yield to the grace and mercy and love of Jesus in our lives, that's when we are best able to express praises of thanks to Him. And when praises when the basis when the basis of praise is the object of God and the love of God, then that praise does not become therapeutic don't praise God because we praise Him when we feel good at the end of the praise becomes an authentic divine work of the Spirit inside of us with a heart of gratitude that says, God, thank you. I thank you because you love me. And Then we praise His name. And with all of this now, God wants us to experience holiness. He says, just as he chooses us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. This is the very holiness of Jesus. The apostle describes, he says, He is going through a a dilemma, a circumstance. The things I ought to do, I do not, the things I ought not to do, I do. Or wretched man who shall deliver me from this. And yet, Paul himself, having received divine revelation to write 13, maybe 14 14 of the books of the New Testament, God says, Paul, lest you become puffed up with all of this, I'm going to protect you from the south. I'm going to send storms in your life described as a thorn in the flesh. And you will cry out to me three times. And whatever they were, it had to be worse than being shipwrecked, worse than being beaten. Worse than being falsely accused. Worse than being imprisoned. Worse than being threatened. I can't think, oh dear God, what could be worse than all of that? And then he cries out to God and God says, I'm not going to answer you. God says, because in, in, in my silence there lies your victory. Yes. So oftentimes when we think God is silent, that's when he is best speaking. Because God says, in your weakness you will bless it, best experience my strength. What is God doing? He's protecting us from self. He's protecting us from the enemy and he's allowing us to experience the very nature of the holiness of Jesus inside of us. Having predestined us to adoptions of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to, to the good pleasure of his will. And here we find this word Predestine. And yet we find that God is telling us that it is His will, it is His will that none should perish. And yet, and that we have a choice. The idea here of predestine, best we can understand, I think, is that God's choice beforehand, the eternal working of God's grace, the eternal plan of God. I think it's best understood by the word grace, unmerited favor, that is best understood by the definition of its application that says, while you were yet in sin, I love you. For grace, for sin separated us from the holiness of God and we are not able to measure up to God's holy standard total depravity. And God reached out to us. And God had put all of this in place. Think of this for a moment, brothers and sisters. Think of this for a moment. Think not only of our lives, but let's think about humanity. When when Adam sinned, and sin entered the world, God says, because by this man, Adam, disobedience... God says, I have a a second Adam. God himself will come to solve that problem. This verse here can be best understood as an expression of God's love. So when we think and we're asking the question, Oh dear God, what then is my purpose? What does this have to do with me? We have to think in terms of, Oh dear God, your eternal plan from the beginning and right now, in my life, right now, as I exist as a person. And then the world as it is, dear God, for people need. They need to be saved. need to come to you. So in a sense, in a sense, Yes, Scripture is God is always reminding us that we should appreciate His work with humanity collectively as He is dealing with humanity and then individually as He is dealing with us and then to the individual person that we come in contact with. That Jesus at that moment is dealing with that person and He wants that person to be saved. And all of it is for what purpose? Verses 6, To the praise, the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. We are praising God for this very fundamental truth. God, we are saying, God, thank you that you have made me accepted. Father, heaven has accepted me. At the moment, when we got saved, the angels in heaven rejoice. The more we think of that saints, it's the more we'll be able to embrace the love of Jesus and the more we'll be able to yield by faith to the Holy Spirit. And the more life will make sense. Yes, we may not have all the answers. It was not meant for us to have all the answers all did not have all the answers. Oh dear God, why the stone in the flesh? But he's appreciating that the power of God in him.
1: If we search for answers,
0: we will find ourselves in a vicious cycle, you know, going around and around. And we may find ourselves one day being, being up here, and the next day being down, next day being up here, next day being down and that would lead to a sense of despair and sadness would But there's a consistency that says Father thank you that I'm saved you saved me dear God and I am going to remember that dear God. So this September I'm remembering God and every day I remember oh dear God almost 50 years ago Father you saved me and then you saved me with your spirit. And now you want me to be filled with your spirit. And to be empowered by your spirit. Because we sadly, we will keep going. Tonight, alright? So we're not going to take a break tonight. We will keep going. We alright? Alright. Amen. Verses 7. In him, that is in Christ, we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. According to the riches of His grace, can we see the the, the Christ-centeredness in this? How Christocentric it is! Life is about Jesus. Our reality, as being filled with the Holy Spirit, is about Jesus. Certainly, it's not about wealth and self and prosperity. It's about Jesus. It's about the fact, God, that. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We have forgiveness of sins. It is all according to His glory. For this reason, God owns us. That's the idea here. He has delivered us from bondage. He has delivered us from the enemy. He has delivered us from slavery of self Slavery of sin, and certainly slavery of Satan. God has set us free. Our freedom is complete. We're not working for freedom. We're not. We're not working for freedom, believers. John chapter 8 and verses 37 says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And the idea of as if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, it is since the Son, you know, the Son will make you free. Jesus will set you free. So indeed, you will be free indeed. Whenever we have a thought in our minds that says, I'm struggling with who I am, I'm struggling inside of me, those, are, those who will come to at another chapter, they refer to as fiery that What is necessary is for us to understand truth. The truth sets us free. And the truth, which is objective, is never subjective. Subjectivity is based on our thoughts. That which is objective is based on God. And therefore, God's truth is inspired. It's, in, it's god breathed. It's the very breath of God. And we ask the Holy Spirit, O Eternal Spirit, help me to understand this truth, Jesus. Little by little we pray, O dear God, help me to understand this. Why the blood of Jesus? It's because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin blood itself represents life. And we understand this, don't we? But here is where we have to stay. We have to stay within that truth. Every day, Jesus, thank you that I have been redeemed by your blood. Thank you, Jesus. I might be hurting physically. I might be hurting even emotionally. I might be hurting mentally. I might be tired. But Jesus might be confused. I may not know what decision to make. Or maybe I might be persecuted for the Lord. Someone might decide to hate me because the devil plays hate in their hearts for no reason. But our answer is this. I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. On that basis, God says, no weapon that Satan can bring against us will ever prosper. It's impossible to prosper because I have been redeemed. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the ransom paid for my salvation. Jesus Himself is the ransom paid for my salvation. Jesus Himself. What glorious truth. How shall we then? How should we then view salvation? Certainly it's not a matter of man's attainment or achievement, is it? It is completely by divine atonement. That's how we should view salvation. And thus, remember our foundation verse: by grace we are saved. Let's move right on. We'll move on to verses 8. Which he meant to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. God, after salvation, after salvation, God is revealing in our hearts this blessing that He has made to us. God is giving us wisdom, understanding. The Christian life is one of growing to know who we are in Jesus. The Christian life is one of growing to understand now that Jesus loves me. Why, saints, listen. If we focus on the problem, we are, foc- we are focusing on the wrong thing. What we have to do is, certainly, we don't want to live in a world of denial. So we look at the problem and say, Oh, dear God, I'm going through this storm and I'm weak and I'm tired. Please help me. And then the Holy Spirit will tell us now be filled with the Spirit. So we turn back to God. It is best describing God's word. Here is what the Lord says. God says, looking onto Jesus. It's an ongoing present participle. God says, looking onto Jesus. And we say, Jesus, you are the author of my faith. You started it. And you you designed it. You are in control. And that's what this is all about. And God is helping us to grow in this wisdom. However, we're not going to grow in wisdom if we divorce ourselves from God's truth. We have to determine to read the Word of God. We will not understand all of this, by no means. The more I read the scripture, the more I'm understanding how much more I need to know. It is a mystery having made known, verses 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Yes, even the, the doctrine of God's election and the doctrine that it is God's will for everybody to be saved and it is Jesus died for the entire world and Jesus is delaying his coming because he does not want people to perish. It's a mystery. what is what is a reality is this I am saved I am sealed with the spirit I can walk with God being filled with the spirit and as I have been saved by faith I am experiencing being filled with the Holy Spirit by faith and I have a purpose and the purpose is the Holy Spirit He will operate inside of me the very power of Christ to go into the world And He will operate a particular gift or gifts inside of me. And I will come to understand that gift or those gifts. Those divine abilities. And I will share the gospel. Because God will open the doors in people's lives, in individual lives. Sometimes for some of us in a much larger scale. Like even at this moment right now as this broadcast is going globally. For those who are listening around the world, whether you are in Australia, in the United Kingdom, in India, wherever you are, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Seek Him. He is God. You may not fully understand it, but He is God. And he loves you. He loves you. And he went to the cross. And he died because he loves you. If you can. Open your heart and accept that. Just best you can. Wherever you are around the world right now. this truth. Jesus loves you. And He wants you to be born again. He wants you to be saved. And as you put your faith in Him, at this very moment, He promised that He will save you. And He will fill you with His Spirit. And He will give you eternal life. So I know that you are listening From St. Martin, the small country, the entire plant is listening. Bless the Lord. So we're going to pray. Yes, we have half an hour again. But at this very moment, as the Holy Spirit is leading us, we're going to pray for your salvation in the name of Jesus. And God says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. That prompting that you're feeling right now. In your heart. That's a love of Jesus. Beyond your religious tradition. God loves you. So I'm going to encourage the saints. Here. This beautiful island of. Saint Martin. And we're going to pray. And we'll be praying essentially this gospel message. And you'll be hearing our voice. We have put our faith in Jesus Christ. But we want you, by the grace of God, to respond to this truth. So we'll be praying these words. And we ask you to pray along with us. Because God says, we must do this. So I'm going to encourage the saints to let's pray. And let's pray aloud. So that all those around the world who are hearing this gospel message this is your moment in whatever country they are in they can put their faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. So let us pray and pray with me aloud. Lord Jesus Lord Jesus Thank you, thank you. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus You are God Lord, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus thank, you thank you. For loving me. Lord you. Jesus. Lord Jesus I, know I know. That I have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, you. For loving me. For loving Lord, me. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus thank, you thank you. For your death. For your, death your burial. For burial and, your and your resurrection. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, Jesus by faith. I accept you I accept as, my as my Lord and my Savior. My Savior. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Thank, you thank you for the gift for the name of, eternal life. of eternal life. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. I, pray I pray believing. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Wherever you are. And in the future, this broadcast will stay out there. It will never be erased. And the Holy Ghost will continue to lead us. But right now, in your country, it is not by chance that you log into this station. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus reaching out to you. And this decision you made tonight changed your destiny. Yeah. I encourage you to find a good Bible church. You may not even be able to have access to a Bible. Maybe your country is one in which there are no Bibles. I understand I've been in some of those countries. But God made it made a way for you to hear this glorious gospel message. And he will work it out. He will work it out. Praise God. So we are moving right on. Praise God. So let's move on to verses 13. In him, that is, in Jesus Christ, you also trusted. This is speaking about you, mm. listener. At this moment, a few moments ago, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. We did here in St. Martin, we who are Christians, we who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved. We are born again. We are not ashamed of the gospel message because we know it is the only way whereby people can be saved people can escape the condemnation of hell so in him in jesus we trusted we heard this word of truth this good news that god loves us this gospel that led to our salvation we heard it for me it was almost 50 years ago Salvation is through Christ. In whom also having believed. So we did believe. When we heard this truth, by the grace of God, we choose to believe in Christ as our Savior. What's the result of it when we believe in Jesus? We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit came inside of us. And he saved us, and the hundreds of millions of Christians around the world—they have experienced the same thing. And if today it is nighttime here for us, it might be morning for you, depending on where you are. It might be the middle of the day. It does not matter. What matters is this: you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And God has sealed you with His Spirit. We heard this truth. And God gave us the grace to choose to believe in Jesus. And He has sealed us with His Spirit. Which guarantees that when we die, we will be in heaven. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession the praise of His glory. Why is the sealing of the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance? Because He is the payment for a transaction that will be completed in the future. See the Holy Spirit seals us right now but that transaction is going to be completed when we Leave this earth and we get to heaven. We are saved right now. We're not, we're not attaining salvation. We're saved. But there is a transaction that is taking place. We still have to contend with the weaknesses in this life and problems, and we are growing spiritually. But that spiritual growth will come to its fullness when we appear before Jesus. and we have a body lightened unto the angels. And we will see Christ and understand Him fully as we ought to understand Him. That's when it will be completed. And thus, the use of this word inheritance something to come. Because He is a pledge guaranteeing a complete transaction. The Holy Spirit in us is a pledge, He is guaranteeing it will happen. Oh, to the child of God, we are looking forward to this. Each and every one of us, that it will come a day when we will fully understand what this salvation is all about. When we stand before Jesus and worship Him. Because He is representing the foretaste of heaven. The Holy Spirit is actually representing the foretaste of heaven. What heaven is, the hope of heaven. The glory of heaven. Thank God that this earth is not all, that, that this is it. Thank God is it's something better than this earth. Something better than this life. Because he is a guarantee that what God will perform, that God will perform all that he promised. When God says he will do something, he will do it. And the Holy Spirit is guaranteeing that. He's saying, look, I'm giving... God says, I'm giving you a guarantee. The guarantee is that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And here is a guarantee. Best described, I think, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, We are confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of of Jesus Christ. Verses 15 says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints. What is meant by this therefore? It means on account of this, on account of everything that was said before. Because of what was said, because of that fundamental truth. Whenever we see the word therefore, we have to ask ourselves, what, what doctrinal truth is being, has been mentioned before? And what is this doctrinal truth that was mentioned before? Is that we're saved? I am saved. Remember, we now we can we should always Personalize it, Father, now that I'm saved because you saved me by your grace, dear God. Now that you saved me, now that you allow me to hurt whenever we heard it, God, thank you that you have sealed me with your spirit. Thank you, God, that I have purpose in life because by faith I can ask you to fill me with your spirit and you promise, dear God, that when I confess my sin. And when by faith I say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence, that God, you will fill me. When I do those things so that I can grow spiritually, because you said, do not forsake yourself self-assembling. And when I say, dear God, I'm presenting myself to a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Dear God, thank you that you are filling me with your spirit, because I am your ambassador. So he's given all of that doctrine on account of all of that. He says, After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, the Holy Spirit having come inside of us, it's a past action, it did happen, right? And sealing us with his presence. He fills our heart with a love for Jesus and He fills our heart with a love for each other. This is what happened with Pastor Hilton. We prayed. The saints just poured out. Let's be a blessing to the saints. We did not have to know you personally. Just know it's a love of the Holy Spirit filling our hearts the so scripture says, "When one heard, we all heard. When one rejoices, we all rejoice." This is the magnificence of the divine, eternal work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's the reality of Jesus inside of us, and we we grow to understand it, don't we? As we immerse ourselves in scripture. We read the word of God and we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit please help me to understand this, your presence and your work. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayer. The Holy Spirit inside of us He is teaching us how to pray. Our relationship with God started with prayer. When we first prayed and he said, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Our relationship with God is 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 a divine continuum where the Holy Spirit continues to teach us how to pray. Matter of fact, God says to his, Jesus, our Master, said to our brothers and sisters who walked with him, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He says, go and share this gospel message. Go and tell the world that I love them. And then he said to them, don't go. Sounds like a controversy. It's not. He says, don't go yet. He says, I want you to wait. But when you wait, I want you to be in prayer. And as you pray, two things will happen. What was prophesied by the prophet Joel and many of the prophets in the Old Testament, this person of the Holy Spirit will come and begin a work. Our Lord Jesus said, Prior to that he says it is expedient that I go. I have to go. For if I do not go the comforter will not come. It's a glorious work of the Trinity working in harmony for all redemption. So God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. And then the second thing that happened is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to go out and evangelize. And they had a problem because there was a pilgrimage feast. There are three Jewish pilgrimage feasts. And Pentecost was one of those. And the men from other nations will come. How are we going to share the? Speak in their language. The Holy Spirit anointed them and filled them. And they were able. They, don't have, they did not have to go to language school. God just filled them. And they went out and proclaimed this glorious gospel message. That Jesus is your savior. And thousands got saved. God leads us to pray. The Holy Spirit is always leading us to pray. When we ask Lord Jesus, you see, this is a very genesis of our relationship with God, isn't it? And it's that continuous relationship. Matter of fact, every trial, every problem we face in life is God teaching us how to pray. No matter what it is. When God brings us to the end of ourselves. I've seen this so many times in my life. That God allows me to go through very painful, painful times. And he says, there's where I want you to experience my spirit filling you and teaching you how to pray. There are times, there are pains that I've been through that I was so weak in my spirit. Oh, dear God, I cried, Father, only you can take me through this. I am to the end of myself in this, dear God. The Holy Spirit, that uh, still quiet voice, God says, Just cry out to Jesus. Just cry out to me. He teaches us how to pray. He says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The Holy Spirit continues to reveal Jesus in us. That's what he's doing. Now we must keep this in mind. Who is building his church? Our Lord Jesus. He did not tell us to build his church. He is building his church. I sure thank God he did not tell me to build it. I could would have made a mess of everything. So I thank God that he is building his church. And therefore the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we are growing to understand who we are in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to go back a little bit to. Verses 16 and says. Do not cease to give thanks for you. Listen. The more I live. The more I'm understanding. By the grace of God. that The best prayers. Are those that begin with thanksgiving. Before we get into requests. Those that begin with, God, thank you. God, I have all these needs here that are painful, but Father, I thank you. Sometimes, sometimes so much the Spirit would lead me to say, God, I just thank you that I can thank you. Those are the best words. We enter into His very presence. And we have a thankful heart. And observe the continuum of it. He says, I do not cease to give thanks. And observe the selflessness of it. He is thanking God for them. And not just about himself, he's thanking God for the saints. He wants them that they may know what is their hope, verses 18 and 19, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance to all the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to all us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? So verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Holy Spirit is opening our eyes all the time. The devil wants us to be distracted by the pain and what we are going through in life. The Holy Spirit wants to open our eyes as to the love of Jesus in our life and who we are in Christ. And He wants us to understand the hope of our calling, our life right now. This immeasurable power of God I want us to reflect a little bit on 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? That is, it's God's power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Remember this that our Lord Jesus said, he says, But you shall receive power. Who is receiving the power? We are receiving the power. He says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon us. What is, the, what is this power about? In every child of God, there is a potential, a divine potential. So let me say that again. In every child of God, there is a divine potential. God has given us a divine potential to be his ambassadors, to represent him, to be able to influence and to share the gospel in every child of God. But in order for that potential to be attained, it can only be attained under power. It's, for example, uh, we have this system right here. This is the potential. The potential is that this be broadcast globally. And it is. But in order for it to happen, it needs power. So Brother Roy... Connected this. He ran the power. Without the power, what happened? We'll be wishfully thinking that it will be all over the world. It's not going to get there unless there is a connection. But the connection empowers this to function. Are we following this? Yes. So that God says, I am going to work in you my power, but it is your power. Jesus says, remember our our master says, but ye shall receive power. Who is receiving it? We are receiving it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. When it's from God, it will not lead us to pride and self and those type things. When that power is from the Holy Spirit, it will lead us to do one thing, to be a witness as to who Jesus is. Don't be afraid. Of this power that comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us. What He asks of us is to surrender. So He says, This power, the greatness of His power, who believe according to the working of, and it's His mighty power working inside of us. People come to us and they say, Ah, I see what you do. I am so moved by what you do. You are a very powerful person. I want to give you some praise. He said, now wait a minute. Thank you for your words of encouragement. But yes, indeed, what you are seeing is power inside of me. But the source of that power is the Holy Spirit who is inside of me. I don't have to pray to ask him to come inside of me. He's already there. What I have to do is to confess my sins so that there will not be any weights." hindrances so that he can do his work and ask him to fill me. Then I have to step out in faith and watch and see the power of the Holy Ghost. To all the saints which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. The Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, When our Lord Jesus said, Father, into your hand. He had to submit, you see. Even to the point of death, the death on the cross. That's what he's doing. He says, Father, into your hands. You see, there is no service unless there is surrendering. And there is no surrendering unless there is humility. And there is no humility unless there is an appreciation for the greatness of God and our limitations. So the Holy Spirit that brought about the ascension of Jesus who has exalted him to the highest office. All power has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Above all principalities this is our risen risen Savior. There is nothing the enemy can bring against us that Jesus has not triumphed. The child of God stays in bondage when that person is not appreciating the victory of the cross. As we understand the finished work of Jesus on the cross and how He triumphs over Satan, it's the more we understand the power of God that resonates inside of us As we go into this world of darkness And say to this world Jesus is Messiah And when we speak the truth When we speak the word of God As Jesus himself He says it is written The demons will tremble Even Satan himself had to flee And Jesus said it is written And the devil fleed Before he lost the battle on the cross How much more now that he has lost the battle on the cross. His power is broken. Christ's power is inside of us. And here is a wonderful thing. Christ's power, the person of the Holy Spirit, who brought about the resurrection of Jesus, resonates inside of us. He lives in us. Thus we can say, for me to live is Christ. I don't want anything from this world because when I die, I'll gain heaven. Far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions, and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who is filled all in all. Church. We represent Jesus. Christ owns us. Christ is inside of us. Christ, the church, is the very expression. The church is the very expression of Jesus. Each of us. And then collectively, we're the very expression of Jesus. The church is filled with the very presence of Jesus. Thus he says, where two or three are gathered, I am there. And the church is endowed with Christ's gifts. Christ's gifts. They are operating inside of us. the truth will always satisfy. We may not grasp all of them, but little by little as we go along. I want to encourage you. You always have to ask this question. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me? Just as in the beginning, it is God. What are you teaching me? Before we got saved, what are you teaching me? Someone came to me 50 years ago and said, You need to be born again. I had no problem with the word born again. Born again, fine. I'm fine with that. The process of reincarnation, you're born again. Until he says to me, he said to me, you have to put your faith in Jesus. Now I had a problem. Because now he's telling me about something in which I am not in control of doing something. Of appeasing God. And appeasing my conscience. Now he's giving me a doctrine. Something that is saying to me that I have a problem. But God loves me. I did not embrace that truth right away. Matter of fact, for 30 days, I rejected it. Matter of fact, I actually came up with an evil plan how to frustrate the person. Insulting my generations, Insulting what I embraced to be my truth. I came up with a plan to frustrate him. And I did, at least I thought it did. I worked it out that he will be every day walking with me. And I'll walk very slowly, I'll eat my lunch, take my time and get back to school. And when I got back to that school, I walked so slowly, so when he gets back, he will not have time to eat. I kept that for 30 days. And for 30 days, he says to me, the point is that Jesus loves you. And he is God. And he loves us all. And one day I turned to him and I said, What are you doing? He said, What are you doing? For all these days, you're walking up and down and you're missing your lunch. Aren't you tired of this? And he looked at me and he says, No. He says, Lunch does not matter to me. Food does not matter. Jesus loves you. And He has given me a love for you. See the love of God that got beyond all that stubbornness and the pride and the flesh, and the self, and all of that. It's the battle of the enemy coming against my soul, you see? And right there, the side of this room. I don't, did not understand what happened, but what I know is that. At that moment, that gospel truth got into my heart, and I could not stand. I could not stand. My knees were weakened, and I fell forward. And he reached out and grabbed me. Thank God, he was a bigger guy. You know, he reached out and he grabbed me, and I began to weep. Oh, dear God. You do love me. They are not 300 plus million gods. God, only there is only one God. Oh dear God, I need you. I need you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you God. And I accept what you have done for me. went home and I did not say anything to my parents. Went to bed that night. Thanking God. And thanking Jesus. The very next day I I told my friend I started walking and actually running to the place where I had to get lunch. Ate my lunch quickly and, and had some spare time. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I have to tell people. And I walk up to this person and says, yesterday I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I quoted John 3.16. Those 30 days, that's what he was giving me over and over. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And the next day, I remember going up to this person and saying, Sir, day before yesterday, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I quoted John 3.16. By the third day, I remember walking up to this man. And this man is going in a liquor center. And I said, Sir, a few days ago, I accepted Jesus He's one God. And He loves you. And He loves us all. He quoted John 3:16. I remember that man looking at me and he says, Sonny, thank you for that. He said, I was about to go in here and drink my money out and gamble it and I know I need to take it home to give it to my wife. And he walked away from that place. My friend looked at me and he says, What are you doing? Every time you tell someone something, you're just telling them John 3:16." And I said, That's because that's the only verse you taught me. And he said to me, he says, okay, we'll solve this. Every day after school, I'm going to take a half an hour and I'm going to teach you a new verse. Isn't that a blessing? But when I give, when God brought me to himself, in spite of my stubbornness and pride and everything else that the devil had in my life, I said to Jesus, God, you did not have to, sa- to save me. But you did. You did save me. So I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Let us pray. Father, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify your name. Glory and praise and worship be unto you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for breathing in the heart of men as you use them to write your scripture. And thank you for allowing us to understand it. Thank you that we have it in a language we can understand it today. Oh, the depths of such truths, dear God. What we understand, we're so thankful. What we don't, please help us to understand. Father, as we humble ourselves, we ask you, God, to please strengthen our love for you, Lord Jesus. Please strengthen our love for your word. And please strengthen our love for people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To all our... Friends who have been listening around the world, we thank God for you. Tomorrow, please tune in at 7.30. And we'll be coming once again live from St. Martin's at Christ's Ambassador Church. And we just thank God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Wherever you are you could have done, been doing something else, but you choose to spend this time. So we thank you. God bless you.